0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. You know, Pastor Brian was talking about our men's event. We had 55 guys show up, and I tell you what, it was a blast. We had a really, really good time. Food was awesome, and you missed it. Too bad, you know, but it was great. And uh, it's like uh, Pastor Brian mentioned, you know, there's, you know, in the culture that we're living in, so many people... Um, they're confused. And not only confused, but they're troubled. And they're also frustrated. And so when girls can get together with girls, it's refreshing. And when guys can get together with guys, it's awesome. Are you listening to me? So um, as we have these events uh, regularly, we certainly do invite you to come be a part of it because uh, we talk about girl stuff. Well, we don't. They do. You know? (laughs) That wouldn't work out so well, would it? Do these pants make my butt big? You know? You will never hear that conversation amongst men. Okay? So anyway, you get it. Men are men. Guys are guys. Women are women. So there you go. How in the world I got off on that, I don't know. I think Pastor Brian may have welcomed all of you that may be watching online, but We're glad you're here. Praise God. Hope you got a Bible there someplace where you can follow along with us and get into the Word of God and uh, learn some things. Praise God. And allow the Spirit of God to speak to your heart with regard to what God's plan is for you. Hallelujah. You know, in the Scriptures, the Bible says God said this. He said, I know the plans I have for you. And then it even, you know, even though we're supposed to understand that the Bible is God speaking to us, he says, I know the plans I have for you. And then it says, says the Lord. So in other words, it's just trying to help you out to understand God's talking. He said, I have plans for you to to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. That is the very nature and the character of our heavenly father. You know, as a teenager growing up, I didn't know that. I, you know, they made me to memorize John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but that all should come and have everlasting life. But I wish they'd have made me learn the 17th verse, because that verse is astounding when it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. Because I felt condemned. I felt condemned by God. Sin had me in a bad place, and the devil was just rubbing my face in the dirt until I came into the knowledge of the truth, and that truth set me free. So he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Hallelujah. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And I tell you what, you're going to get blessed. Everybody say, I'm glad I came to church. Yeah, you're going to get blessed. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Jeremiah chapter 31. This is a text that we had taken last week when we were together. And by the way, I don't know, is the, uh, is the sign up for the wedding, wedding thing, uh, marriage thing, is that over? Or do you know, Gayla? Yeah. We have room for six? Six. So, there you go. If you haven't signed up for that, you should. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You say, well, what if I got something else to do? Cancel it. You know, it could could be a life changer where your life is concerned. And not only that, it could help to build upon the foundation that you already have. You know, sometimes we've got to figure out what our priorities are. Are you with me? Well, you know, I don't want to go to that... He'll make me feel uncomfortable. They'll make me feel uncomfortable. You know, um, sometimes, you know, the devil lies to people, you know, and uh, really we need to put ourselves in a place where we can allow God to speak into our lives. You know, he loves you. But if you run the other direction, you're kind of hard to chase down. You know what I'm saying? And the, the devil is so full of lies. You know, I remember again, you know, before I got saved, I knew I needed to get saved. I mean, who doesn't? When you're alienated from the life of God, and you have no peace, no hope, no help, no nothing, I'm telling you, that's not a good place to be in. But the devil lies to people and says, well, if you, if you make a commitment to Christ, then you won't be able to live your own life. Well, I suppose that that's right, but you have no idea what it is that Christ offers you. And you'll discover that if you make a commitment to him, you won't care about your old life. Are you listening to me? Because I tell you what, praise God, he is a miracle-working God. So anyway, uh, I've got a lot of advertisement here going on, and <laughs> but that's okay. Amen. You know, we need to know the truth so the truth can make us free. All right, let's pray together. We'll get into what I want to share with you this morning. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Father God, for these wonderful people. Those that have come and gathered here together in the name of Jesus. And, Father, as we sit, as it were, at your feet, I want to thank you again, Father, for the teacher, the great teacher, the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one, Father, who reveals, declares, shows, and makes known those things that we need to know. And so I thank you, Father God, not only for that which he reveals to each and every one of us, but I thank you, Father God, for helping me to communicate in a way, Father, that is relevant, palatable, and understood. And I thank you, Lord God, for your grace in this time that we have together today in Jesus' name. Read with me, if you would please, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Notice it says, Behold, the days come. Jeremiah is prophesying about a day actually that uh, took... (laughs) 650 years to come to pass, but nevertheless, the word was true. He said, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. covenant. Yes, with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break or broke, although I was an husband unto them, says the Lord. You know, that's what, you know, we talk about this, but, um, you know, when, when two people come walking down the aisle and they stand up here and they give their vows to one another, you know, and they pledge their lives to, to each other, they're making, we call it, the covenant of Marriage. And we're going to be faithful. We're going to, you know, this, that, and the other. So there's a covenant that is made. So when we read these scriptures here, you know, God looks at what it is that He did in Israel's life as just that a covenant. And He re- refers to it as an old covenant, not according to the, the old covenant, but a new covenant I'm going to make. So here we have the Bible, and in it we have the old covenant or the Old Testament. And then we also have the New Covenant or the New Testament. All right? But notice that he refers to it as, I married Israel in this covenant that I made with them, but they broke it. Okay? And so, of course, the consequences were not good in that context. But notice in uh, verse 33, it says but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days says the Lord I will put my laws in their inward parts I will write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people they shall uh, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them says the Lord, for or because I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sin no more. Now, again, not to go get off into the weeds of the old covenant, but you know, the people were reliant upon the high priest for the forgiveness of their sins and the offering of of sacrifice and things of that nature. And so when it came to, you know, them being able to communicate, they really didn't have anybody but the priest to go through to get to God. And the same thing is true also in the context that if they wanted to hear from God, they had to rely upon the prophets of that day. They became the mouthpiece or the spokesperson, you know, that would speak to the people about the will of God, the plan of God, and so on and so forth. And so we see here in this, it's not like, you know, uh, in the Old Testament where everybody was, you know, commanded to know the Lord. He said, you'll all know me from the least unto the greatest. And then he went on to conclude by saying that when I establish this new covenant, I will forgive. Everybody say forgive. I will forgive your iniquities and I will remember your sin or our sin no more. And so there's so much that is you know, placed within this prophetic word that, that Jeremiah gave. But the point I made to you last week was there was nobody, no one, Jeremiah or none of them, that could ever have understood how God would do this in the sending of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though he promised that it would occur and all of these things would happen. And so no one knew it or could even imagine the incredible way in which God would fulfill this prophetic word in sending Jesus the way he did. As a matter of fact, when Peter was writing in his first epistle or letter, he made reference of this. He talked about the salvation that you and I have the privilege of being able to experience. How many of you are glad you're saved? I mean that you've given your heart to him and that you're living for God. And when Peter was writing, he talks about this salvation. That's the message that we have been given to communicate to the world around us, that there is a salvation that is available to you, to each and every person, to all. You know, And, and understanding God's plan and the salvation that he offers is paramount because we need to understand it or know it Otherwise, we won't make heaven and we'll end up in hell. Now, a lot of folk, you know, they'll, they'll argue in different things. But, you know, the, the thing you have to come to grips with is, is that God is God and He recognizes sin as sin, which must be judged. He is the judge. And he made a way for man to be able to escape judgment through the offering of his own son so that whosoever would call on the name of the Lord could be saved. And so we're so thankful for what it is that he did. But, the, but when Peter was writing, he said, uh, with regard to the salvation, he said, Of which salvation? "...the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come to you or to us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto them or the prophets, but to us." They did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel to you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Which things the angels desired to look into. So when we see this and we see what it is that Peter's talking about, he's, he's talking about this mystery of salvation. When these prophets are writing about it, they didn't understand anything about it, but what they come to uh, realize was they were talking about this, this day and age that you and I find ourselves or dispensation or period of time or age on the backside of the cross, Hallelujah. And the resurrection of Christ. And what it is that you and I, as believers, have the privilege. Everybody say privilege. We have the privilege to be able to walk in the light of. And it is so incredibly wonderful. But, you know, I, I talked about these different things. But what it is that, that, that went on is what we need to realize. So few Christians really understand what it is that God did through his son, Jesus Christ. We see him on a cross. We see him die. We see him buried. We see him resurrected. But none of us can really get our head wrapped around what it is that God was doing in those moments from the cross to the throne. And that's what I want to hopefully try to help you to understand, because everything Jesus did was for you. He didn't do it for himself. He wasn't doing it as a martyr. He did it as a substitute. He took our, he took your place. And this is so powerful because it's a game changer. When you understand what it is that Jesus did, the place that God has positioned you in and given you a name that is above every name, that at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess, hallelujah. And these are things that he did of his own volition. It was God's idea. You know, we read in the Scriptures, and I've quoted it before, but in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, it says, 17, says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Everybody say new creation. New creation. Yes, old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become New. Now, again, it's it's powerful to read that verse, but we need to look at the next one, which is verse 18. And look with me, if you will, please, right up here. It says, Now all things, or all these things, are of God. So, again, the whole plan of redemption was God's idea. So, in other words, when we read the scripture that says, He so loved us that He gave His Son, it was His plan. And he did it so that he could redeem you out from under the authority of sin and death and hell and the devil. So it says all these things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say that he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. So the reality is, is the entire world has all been reconciled back to God through the sacrifice of Christ, but so many people don't even know it. People are living their lives, doing their dirt, you know, whatever it is, trying to make some kind of a life out of whatever it is that they have, and they don't know Jesus. They don't know what it is that he did. They don't know that they can live free from sin. They don't know that they can live free from all the hell and all the messed-upness that there is in this world because Jesus did something to set mankind free. Now, you and I have choices in all of this, of course, as believers, but I'm telling you what, praise God, he paved the way, and he paid an incredible price so that you and I would be able to live the lives that we have the privilege of living. Why don't you turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, well, yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you get interrupted by the Spirit of God. Amen. I uh, I think we better go back to this Second uh, Corinthians one more time here. I'm trying to I'm trying to slice and dice this so that we can get to some other things I want to share with you. But sometimes you can't get away from it. Second Corinthians chapter five. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Notice again with me uh, verses 17 and 18. It says again, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and he's given again unto us this ministry of reconciliation to wit or to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Now listen, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and he's committed unto us this word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in the place of Christ your Christ's stead to be reconciled unto God. Now listen to this verse. For he has made him to be sin for us. Hallelujah. Who knew no sin that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a price that he paid for you and me. Hallelujah. And so the redemption that we have, it's again a beautiful thing that God did of his own volition and of his own choosing. And and the reason that I bring this to your attention is is that so many Christians live under condemnation. They don't really know how to navigate through uh, failures or failings or sin or things of that nature. But, you know, the Bible says that God has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I know you know how that is. A lot of times if people, you know, if we, if we miss it, if we, if we sin, if we do wrong, the tendency is to run away from God instead of running to God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, you know, it's, it's important for you to understand that, that God did these things because he loved you. And, and he knows all about your stuff. He knows all about your dirt. He knows about everything. You know what I'm saying? But yet, right, on the other hand, even still and irregardless, he came in the form of his son to give his life as a ransom for you so that you could have relationship and access to God. The devil is forever trying to separate, to divide and conquer people, believers primarily in their lives. And we need to get our head wrapped around the fact, praise God, that he's for us, that he's not against us. And if God before us, the Bible asks, how or who or what can be against us? So the last thing you want to do is get away from God. You know, it's an interesting thing. I'm just going to share this while I'm in this place of thought and thinking you know, it's a funny thing because we don't know what the Bible says. But thank God we've got a Bible and we can learn what it says, can't we? But so often people will find themselves, now again, understand God's not against you. He's for you, He's on your side, He wants the best for you. But you know what happens a lot of times is we get going down the road of life and we're doing whatever it is that we're doing and things aren't going very well. Have any of you ever had that happen? Huh? You know, everything seems to be going sideways. And and our first thought is, God, where are you? Now, I know none of you have ever had that thought before. But you know, we, we tend to reason. We have thought patterns. And we tend to reason, well, you know, I mean, you know, the preacher stands up there and he says this and tells us what God did and what he wants to do and all this and that and the other, and I don't see it happening, you know, and so on and so forth. And, and so we get the question, hey, where are you at? You know, what's going on here? I mean, and if in fact you're God, you know, and all this, well, he is God. Huh? And he certainly has done what it is that he said he's done. But the thought pattern is this that people will ask the question, God, where are you? You know, I mean, if in fact, you know, that the, you know, the Bible says this, the preacher says that, and, you know, there's these promises, and yet I don't see them happening, you know, and so, so where are you? So when, we, when, when there's no answer, you know, because after all, you have to understand that God is no further away from you than your breath. Huh? So the, the, the human reasoning, what happens is, is we go down this path where we say, God, where are you? We don't have an answer for that. So then we say, well, it must not be the will of God. Because if it were the will of God, then, you know, something would happen. How many of you are with me? Okay. And so, so then we, we decide, we decide that, that it must not be the will of God. Now, have you ever thought about that for a little bit and just ask yourself the question, why do we, th- why do we have these, these thought patterns like that? And I just want to tell you the main reason that it happens is because it couldn't possibly be my fault. Now, I know, think, just stay with me here a little bit. God, where are you? Well, he's not around. Well, then it must not be the will of God. Because if it were the will of God, something would be happening, and it couldn't possibly be me, right? Am I in the right house? Yeah. And so somebody comes along and says, well, it, 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 it possibly could be you. And one of two things happens. We either say, nope, sure couldn't, or we go the other path and we say, oh, you're right, it's me. Now, the danger in that is is that now we're going to go dig ourselves a hole and jump in it. Which, I'll tell you now, is exactly not what you want to do. And it isn't what God wants you to do. But the devil comes along and starts pitching this condemnation thing. Are you all listening to me? So now... You're the bad guy. You don't believe God. Where's your faith? You know, you're just a loser. You know, I mean, the list is long. And, and, and pretty soon, you know, you just corkscrew yourself into the ground. There's no faith. There's no joy. There's no, there's no nothing. Why? Because I'm such a loser. Well, you're not a loser. And you're certainly not a victim. You're a victor. But yet the devil will tell you all of these things. Now, you know, if we've made mistakes, if we've erred, if we have somehow missed the mark or whatever, thank God there is forgiveness with him. So, so if we come to the place, now let's go back in our thought pattern. God, where are you? He's not answering. So it must not be the will of God. And then somebody comes along and says, well, you know, uh, it could be that you, you might have a few things, you know, that you need to adjust here. And again, we either decide, well, no, it's not me. Or we say, you're right, I'm, I'm, the, I'm a loser. You with me? So the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. And that's what this is, condemnation. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. You know, we know when we've done wrong. You know, this isn't rocket science. I mean, when you now, if you harden your heart, I suppose you could be in denial or whatever the case might be. But, you know, if you're tender-hearted before God, you always know when you miss it. Any of you ever got in a fight with your spouse? You feel really good after that's over? Why? Because you're in error. And the thing that needs to happen in that is we need to go to God and then go to them, and we need to ask both of them to forgive us. Why? Because we're not so bright. Huh? But what you don't want to do is you don't want to allow the condemnation thing to overwhelm you or overtake you, because that's not from heaven. Again, there's a difference between being convicted by the Spirit of God, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, get down in the weeds with that whole thought pattern, but does this make sense to you? Because what does condemnation do? Separates you from your help. Huh? It keeps you from being able to enjoy what it is that heaven wants to do in your life. Are you listening to me? Praise God. So you say, well, how do we handle that? Well, when you don't know something, you just say, uh, I don't know. You know, you you say, Lord, I, I'm I'm missing it here someplace. See, that's the difference between folks that say, well, you know, God's not answering, must not be His will, all those... That's the difference. People having that kind of mentality with instead of saying, God, I know you're right. You're never wrong. So I'm missing it here someplace. Are you with me? Help me understand. Help me see. Show me your ways. Are you listening to me? All right. And so then that way, praise God, we can get on the right side of the track and end up going where we want to go. Does that make sense to you? So he says here in this verse, look with me again in verse 21, for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be, might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, I, I, I share my own experience because that's the only one I can you know, really know anything about. But, but when I gave my heart to Christ on the 27th day of August in 1975, I was a 19-year-old kid. And I said, God, I don't even know if you're out there, but if you are, I want you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Well, of course, that wasn't a very faith-filled prayer, but God can't deny himself. He was out there, and he knew my heart that I was, w- I was ready to um, surrender my life to him because I needed him. I knew that you know, I was a sinner in need of a Savior. So when he came into my heart, he it changed everything i mean and the weight of sin disappeared evaporated and 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 when the weight of sin and all of the guilt and everything that's associated when when that leaves it, it it's so stark it's it, you know and and i've shared my testimony before i went to a a friend of mine and i said uh, you got to talk to me and tell me what in the world's going on here because something has happened. And I shared it, my whole story with him. and He said, well, you've been born again. I said, born of what? Born again. You know, you must be born again. And uh, so, so again, you know, what happened was, is that I, I, I went from a place of being alienated from God to a place of being accepted and justified in the sight of God. That's what it means is, you know, when it talks about righteousness or being justified, you know, in, in, in his sight, which he did. I had nothing to do with it. There was nothing I could do. That's why so many people in the world in which we live right now are trying to work their way to heaven. And they do the comparison thing. They say, well, I'm not as bad as they are. I didn't do what they did. And that's, why, that's what upsets people when somebody that's just an absolute rank sinner, I mean, just jacked to the max and just doing all kind of evil and everything, and they go and get saved, it makes them mad. You know, because that's what religious people do. They get mad. Why? Because they're trying to work their way to heaven. They didn't do nothing. They were just, you know, the scum of the world, and all of a sudden Jesus forgives them. That just ain't right. Well, it is right. And you could get in the same line if you wanted to. Amen. You know, people are funny. We have our ways of, you know, uh, determining who's, who's, who's better than the rest. Y'all still glad you came? I can't really tell by your expression. So I just say, you know, I keep it going here and see how we do. Hallelujah. But our redemption was beautiful. And it is thing that God did of his own volition. And it really is time to rid ourselves of the guilt and condemnation that ends up being heaped upon us by the devil. Again, Romans chapter 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you're going down the road of life, you just have to examine things a little bit and say, You know, am I being convicted or am I being condemned? Because one will be from heaven the other one won't. It goes on to say, and Paul was writing, he said, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He Now listen to this. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us. Everybody say for us. Everybody say for me. He delivered him up for you, for us all. How shall he not with him With Christ, freely give us all things. Everybody say it together. The Lord Lord. is on my side. side. He's for you. Praise God. He's not against you. You know? You just got to, you know, our attitudes so many times affected and impacted by the devil. You know? Being allowed, you know, to take offense and be, you know... Uh, jealous or judgmental or whatever. that Man, dude, you've got to rid yourself from these things. And you can. You do it as an act of your will. You do it not because you feel like it, but because you know it's right. Because you don't want to stay in the hole you're in. Does that make sense to you? It goes on then and says, who shall bring any, uh, a charge to God's elect? It's God that justifies or who justifies. Who's he that condemns? It is Christ that died, furthermore, is also risen, and is even at the right hand of God making intercession for us. So, again, the church needs to realize what happened between the cross and the throne. Because Christ came down from heaven to identify with our sinful conditions so that we could be raised up into his right standing. Glory be to God. Did you hear that? I said he came down to identify with your mess. You know, we, we think sometimes, how can God forgive this or forgive that? It's because he loves. That's why. And it's the kind of love that, that, that human love or human nature knows nothing about. Are you with me? So when Paul is writing these things in the letters that he writes to us, he's wanting us to see this, what I would call a legal side to our redemption, Something that God has done. And, and you need to see it. Because, again, it's such a game changer when you realize what Christ did from the cross till the time he sat down at the right hand of the Father. That whole thing. You know, again, we see what happens, you know, and we're coming up on it. And we'll, we'll, we'll um, emphasize the sufferings of Christ on the cross when he was crucified. And, and that's all well and good. I'm not, I'm not making light of it. But what you and I don't see is not, we see the physical you know, pain and sufferings that he incurred there, but we don't see what happens spiritually. Are you with me? You know, because what happens spiritually is, is that he died for us. He was separated from God. He said, why have you forsaken me? You know, he had done everything in his obedience to God. And all of a sudden, God stepped back away from Christ. And he poured out his wrath and indignation on his son. And he became the sacrifice for you and me. If you read in the scriptures, you see that his visage or his appearance didn't even look like a man. Now I know that you know, people can beat you till you know there's hardly anything left. But you've got to understand that it was more than the physical beating that Christ endured on that cross. It was all of sin and its fury that was placed upon him for you so that he could go to hell and spend those three days there in the torment of the devil. And you know, Satan must have thought he had really done a thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, had the princes of this world known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He had no idea. I tell you, that is just the incredible splendor of God's mystery and plan, how he did this so that, praise God, after three days, Jesus came up out of that grave, and I'll guarantee you the devil was saying, whoa, whoa. Changed everything. And not only, now remember, he didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it just to be a martyr. He did it as your substitute. He took your place. Why? So that when he had done what he did, then you could be raised up together with him. It's magnificent. It's brilliant. I mean, it is unincredible what it is that God did. Because he wasn't just taking Jesus out of that grave, he was taking you out of that grave. So that, thank God, sin would no longer ever be able to have dominion over you. You know, the Bible says that we're dead to sin. You say, well, you know, are we capable of sinning? Oh, yeah. (laughs) People are very capable of sinning. But thank God you don't have to. I said you don't have to. You don't have to yield to what the devil's temptation may be. You can say, no, 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 no. Thank God I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, and I can walk in the light of that, amen? Think about this scripture with me in Galatians 2 and 20. It says says this, he says, um, what does it say, Mary? It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now, let's think about that for a minute. What does that mean to say, I am crucified? Well, hi, Phyllis you're back. Did you tell all the rest of the snowbirds to follow you? No, you just came back on your own. Okay, well, anyway, uh, good to have you. Glad you're here. Okay, back to I am crucified with Christ. What's that mean? I mean, you and I, we, weren't, we didn't go up there on that. I mean, literally, we didn't go to the cross. He went for us. Huh? You know, you've heard messages, you know, about the, the two uh, thieves on either side of him, and you can be this one, or you can be that one, or whatever. Well, the reality is, is that in, in a legal sense, you were there with them in the middle with him. Are you listening to me? So he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, with Christ. With Christ. Nevertheless, it says... Uh, It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by this faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Everybody say it again. The Lord's on my side. I mean, man, he is for you. Hallelujah. So whatever it is that you're struggling with, you know, whatever it is, whatever your need is that you have in your life, praise God, God's for you to help you overcome it. You know, what, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. He's on your side to say, praise God, you've got this. You don't have to live under the, you know, tyranny of sin. You don't have to live like the devil. You don't have to, you know, do the things. Now, your flesh might put up a little bit of a battle. How many of you know we have this body we're in, you know? And it has its desires. But praise God, you got to make the thing get in the coffin, nail it, and say, you ain't coming out. You say, yeah, but what if I want him to come out? Well, then maybe you need to have a little talk with Jesus. Because he paid an incredible price for your freedom. Are you with me? Hallelujah. But Paul wants us to see this legal side of our redemption and then teach us how to experience the reality or the, the vital side of it in our lives. So these things, they belong to you. They belong to us. Whether we realize it or not, if we know it or not, whether we believe it or not. I tell you what, I want to believe it. huh? I want to get into the flow of what it is that God has done. I don't want to squander what it is that Christ provided for me. So that when something comes my way, let's say it's a financial need. Let's say it's a, a physical health kind of situation or something like that. Thank God I don't stand there alone in that matter. But I can say, well, look what showed up. This certainly didn't come from heaven. Looks to me like it came from hell. So I guess what? I'm going to pass this up. I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to draw upon him. I'm going to obey his voice. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I'm going to say what he says about my situation. You know, uh, a friend of ours, Mark Hankins, tells a story about going coyote hunting out in, I think he was in uh, Arizona or someplace. You can do this any place. But you know what they'll do, these coyote hunters? Well, he was talking about, dude, they got the camel, and, you know, they got up an old dark hunter and they go out in the middle of the sticks and this and that and the other. And, and um, uh, is Josh in here? Josh Meyer? He might be over helping out. Yeah. Josh is a big uh, coyote hunter. He's got one of these infrared scopes, you know, you can see them in the night. And I mean, you know, the whole enchilada. But the thing about it is, is what they do is they, they take a, a recording. Maybe it's a digital recording or something, you know, of that nature. And, and you, can, you can set down in the middle of a field. Matter of fact, a friend of mine did this one time. They got out by one of these great big hay bales, you know. And uh, they set this, this recording up on top of the hay bale. And then they just sat down by the hay bale. And basically, this is a digital recording of a wounded rabbit, you know, kind of a little screaming type thing, you know, or whatever that that seems to indicate that, you know, there's a problem. And, And I'll guarantee you that within 15 minutes, you'll know whether there's a coyote within a half a mile because they're on a dead run. As a matter of fact, this friend of mine said they were sitting there, and, you know, they had their guns and everything, and they're, you know, getting ready, you know, for whatever happens. Well, what ended up happening, here comes these coyotes, and, man, they are on a dead flat run for this screaming noise, and they're sitting right by it. And he said, before I knew it, he says, they, they were so close that I couldn't even see them in the scope. <laughs> and so, so all of a sudden, they're running dead on right at him. Well, then all of a sudden, the, the coyotes realize that these guys are sitting there, and so they split off and ran off all over the place. You say, why are you telling us this story anyway? Well, <clears throat> Hankins uses this same illustration to say that a lot of times that's exactly what Christians do. They, they got their wounded rabbit call of negativism, you know, and whatever it is, is not going right. They're always talking, you know, or screaming about whatever it is, you know, that, you know, uh, that they're not happy about and this and that. And you, you, you getting this? And what does it do? It attracts them. It attracts them. He comes. He shows up. He says, let me accommodate. You know, are you with me? Because people all the time, they they get into this negative kind of thing, and they don't, you you know, people don't think about what it is that they say and what kind of an impact it can have on their lives. But I'm telling you, the stuff that comes out of here makes a difference. Are you with me? And I'm not talking about being in denial, but you still don't have to talk about it. Huh? You know, I mean, obviously, things that we deal with, financial needs, uh, health issues, things that, they're very real. But let's start saying what he says about it instead of talking about you're this, you're that, you're, you know, arthritis, you're whatever. You don't realize that you're taking something that you have been redeemed from. Does that make sense to you? You know? So, so, what you've got to say is, you've got to say, Father, I am so thankful that your word is true. And praise God, you redeem me from the curse of the law being made a curse for me, because the Bible says, Cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. So, he took the curse, he took it. You know, he not only took your sin, he took the curse. Everybody, you know, we can say, you know, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Why? Because Christ has done it. Are you with me? So what? You say, well, what's the curse of the law? (laughs) I don't have time. Read Deuteronomy 28. That'll give you everything you know. It'll talk about the blessing, and then it's got about 50 verses of the curse, you know? But you've been redeemed. But that's not the way we talk, it's not the way we act, it's not the way we think, it's not the way we believe. But thank God, we sure can. I said, we sure can. You know, you can change a few things. Are you listening to me? My wife and I, we're, we police each other. You know? Somebody says something wrong, we go, oh, no, 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 you're right, you're right, forget that. So, you know, because it, it, it's such a habit. You guys still glad you came? Okay? You know, again, I'm looking for help here. I just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to go just a little bit further. I know I've I've dumped a lot on you here this morning, but I want you to see this before we close. Ephesians chapter 1. I just want you to see that there are so many things that have been provided for you. You know, from a legal standpoint, he did this stuff. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for you. So what you and I have to do is we have to get ourselves in the place of of being, you know, in a position, if you want to call it that, to where we say, no, this is what the word says. And it's a legal thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we don't think about the legalities of heaven or spiritual things, but it's very legal, you know? I mean, when, when, when sin came into the world, the Bible says death came by sin. Adam was never designed to die. But because of sin, he eventually physically died, and it was because he was separated or alienated from the life of God because of the sin. So, you know, they had all these sacrifices and things. You know, the law came and Moses and, you know, they were having to offer up these sacrifices. The high priest had to go into the presence of God and, you know, all of these different things. If he didn't prepare himself perfectly, you know, they tied a rope on the guy. And if they heard him drop dead or he didn't come back out, they pulled him back out and said, well, he didn't quite have it right. Aren't you glad you ain't got that going on? Huh? You know? So, so these things are things that he's done for us, all right, and and that's what we need to see, and that's what we need to claim, that's what we need to walk in the light of. Are you listening to me? Now, look with me, if you would, please. Here, quickly, notice here in Ephesians chapter one, the apostle Paul is writing this church to the or <laughs> writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, and he's making reference to. About the fact that he had heard of their faith, and then he starts talking about his prayer for them. And I want you to uh, look at this with me, beginning in verse 15. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now I want you to notice how he's praying. He says, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, so that you'll understand what we've been talking about. Okay? And then he goes on to say, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened or having been enlightened. Now listen, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now look at this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? What's the next word? To us word. I should say the next two words. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to or toward us who believe? So in other words, what it is that Christ did empowered the church, empowered you, empowered us. And Paul is saying, I want you to be able to see this. God, please give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ so that they can see the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Hallelujah. How many believers we got here? Well, you know what? Say it with me. I have his power. You have his power. You know, people say, well, I don't much feel like I got his power. It doesn't matter how you feel. The only thing that matters is what he said. We have his power to overcome, to be victors, to not be the ones that are whining about whatever it is that's going on in our lives. Thank God he's made a way where there is no way. He's provided for our every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus so we can rejoice. Now, let's go on reading here. It says here, Again, in verse 19, that we might see the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. And then he he describes it. According to the working of his power which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Where? Where? Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in the one that is to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that fills everything, all in all. So I'm just going to say that his victory over death, hell, and the grave, over sin and sickness, condemnation and guilt, over defeat and discouragement and despair, his victory over it became your victory over it. Hallelujah. So you can rejoice, glory to God, and what it is that he has done for you. But, but so many people, Christians, they don't see this side of redemption. I talk to them all the time. You know, it's so unfortunate. You know, people will say, well, you know, God is in control. You ever heard that before? Well, God is in control. There's no question about that. But they, but they take it and they encompass everything about their lives and thinking, whatever happens in my life, God is in control. There's a lot of stuff going on in people's lives, you guys. It's not God. He is not in control of that. Are you, you get this? And so I, 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 can, I, I uh, rejoice in God's sovereignty. I rejoice in the fact that he is God. And I rejoice, praise God, that he's in control. But I'd like to suggest to you there's some stuff in your life that you're in control of. Huh? God can't make people get saved. Now, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and have everlasting life. But not everybody's going to make that choice. Huh? I share it again. I've shared it many times. I was talking to my brother, and he had lost his marriage. Um, he was an alcoholic, and it destroyed his marriage, destroyed his life, busted up his family. We had, it, we had alcohol in our um, family, I don't know if you'd call it lineage, but we had it, you know. And um, he became, he fell a victim of it. You know, my dad he died of cirrhosis of the liver when he was 59. And then my brother loses his marriage because of it. So anyway, Joan and I were there one time and we were visiting with him. This is probably before the breakup, but I just, you know, I wanted my brother to get saved. I want him to go to heaven. I don't want him to go to hell. Huh? So I'm talking to him and I'm not, you know, being uh Uh, vindictive or, uh, you know, getting all over his stuff or anything. I'm just talking to him about um, the things of God that you have to, you know, ask the Lord to, to come into your life. And he made this statement. He says, well, he says, Mike, he says, I just believe. Whenever you hear the, I just believe thing, that, that, that phrase, we may have a problem. Okay. Because what they're saying is, is this is what I think. And I don't really care what God says or anybody else is what I think. He says, I just believe that if God wants to save me, he will. And if he doesn't, then he won't. So let's, let's think about that for a little bit. What is that? I mean, what do we got going on here? Well, essentially, it's the abdication of responsibility, isn't it? In other words, it's not up to me. It's up to him. If he wants to save me, he will. If he doesn't, he won't. Okay. Well, so at the end of that statement, I said, well, Bob, I said then, you're going to bust the gates of hell wide open. Well, of course, when I said that, there, you know, there was no more warm and fuzzies. And I, I didn't say it mean. I, I didn't say it mean at all. But I needed to tell my brother the truth. This is not the way into the kingdom of heaven. This is not the way that God is planned. I said, you, you know, the choice is yours. It's not anybody else's. You can't get to heaven on Mama's, you know, salvation or anything else. You've got to decide for yourself. You with me? And so uh, I have the good fortune to be able to report to you that that brother of mine gave his heart to the Lord. Through a... a no, not at that time. <laughs> no, we just kind of drove off. That's all that was. But somebody else was able to speak into his life and, and help him come to a place of repentance. And he got delivered from alcohol. And now he's almost 80 years old and doing good. Thank God. He'd probably been about like my dad. He'd probably end up dead. You know? The devil is a cruel taskmaster. And some people will say, well, you know, if he just had a little self-control, this and that and the other. Oh, you're so wonderful. Bless your heart, you don't have a problem in your life, do you? You know how we are so often to judge others, you know. Well, you know, why don't they just you know get themselves figured out? You know what, dude. (laughs) (laughs) We all got stuff that stinks. And we all need him. And so I'm so thankful, praise God, that he gave his heart to the Lord. Matter of fact, he walked the aisle here and got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was awesome. He gets filled with the Holy Ghost, you know. We went back to the house so that we could have lunch together, and we're getting ready. Joan's preparing the meal and everything, and so it's time. You know, we're going to pray, and we're going to eat. We can't find Bob. So says, where Bob at? And so we were looking around, and we <laughs> went downstairs in the basement, man. He's down there, you know, just going to town. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. You know, and people, I mean, you know, well, I could get off on all of that too, you know, but the world around us, they don't understand it. You know, people are always afraid of what they don't understand. But you know, the Bible makes it clear. God himself said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and so on and so forth. And it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. suddenly there came this sound Hallelujah. This mighty wind of sound from heaven. And the Bible says that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they, those that were gathered, 120 of them, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And people say, well, what good is it? Well, again, I don't have time to talk to you about all of this, but you know, there's a spiritual edification in being filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And there are other benefits to it. You know, the Bible says sometimes, you know, the Bible or the Holy Ghost helps us in our infirmities for we often don't know how to pray for as we ought, but he takes hold together with us against whatever it is that's going on. I mean, there's a myriad of different things, benefits, but people, they miss out on it because again, they end up getting afraid of whatever it is that they don't know, or they don't have faith to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You with me? I'm telling you, man, praise God. If, you, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you should be. You need to be. And whatever it is, it's a, you know, standing between you and it. You need to get that figured out. You say, well, I'm waiting on God. No, nah, he's waiting on you. Uh, last time I checked, about 2,000 years ago, he poured it out. So it's available. Everybody say, it's available. You just got to get whatever it is that's between you and it out of the road so that you can go ahead and receive. You know, the Bible says they began to speak as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. You know, people think that God's just going to take them over sometime, you know, and, and they won't be able to, you know, control themselves. You have control. See, you do the speaking, he does or gives the utterance. Huh? You do the speaking, you know. I don't know how come I get off on this, but anyway, it's good. There's things that belong to us, and I got to stop. Hallelujah. You're such great listeners. Amen. And I could ask you if you'd give me one more minute and then I could, you know, count all the hands and have about 20. But anyway, we're not going to do that. How many are glad you came today? I I, I, I just, there's so much in the scriptures. You got time for just one more thing? Just look at this. Look at this. Okay, I I promise just a, a minute. Notice this. Look at Ephesians 1.20. This will give you something to think about. When Paul was writing this and he wanted us to understand it, notice what it says in verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ, which God did in Christ, listen, when he raised him from the dead, now listen, and set him at his own right hand, where? 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 Now look at verse 6 of the second chapter. It says, And he has raised us up together, and he has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what's that mean? That means that when Christ was raised, you were raised. huh? So the authority that... Well, I say it this way. For you to be seated with him in heavenly places in Christ can mean no less than for you to, uh, to share the authority that that throne represents. So when the devil comes, praise God, instead of, you know, when, when he comes a-running, you get the big gun out. Huh? Yeah, get the big gun out. Yeah. Amen. You say, what's the big gun? The big gun's the Word of God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, we love you so much. And God, I, I've endeavored at least to, to communicate some of these things, Father God, to help us to be able to position ourselves and to live in a place that you've called us to live. And God, I thank you for the, the attentiveness and, and the desires to understand these things as it applies to our personal lives. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, my prayer this morning is, is that you'll help all of us to understand that you gave us the privilege of being able to miss hell and make heaven. And Father God, I pray today that if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that's never made a commitment to you that that, Lord, by your spirit, you would call them to yourself. Help them understand, Father, there is a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. and, and But help them to understand the decision or the choice is theirs. It's, it's not yours. You've done everything that needs to be done and opened the door for us to be able to walk through. So I pray for them, Father. Help them to, to see that and understand it. I pray, Father God, for those that are here this morning and maybe they've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And I know for some, Father God, it's things they don't understand and, and it, can, it can be somewhat, uh, they can be wary, I guess, if that's the right way. But God, I ask you to help them to distill this, this, this fear and say yes to what it is you have for them so that they can experience this gift that you offer. And I just thank you, Father, for your grace in every one of our lives. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Never ask him to come into your heart. You know, maybe maybe you did at some time in the past, but it really wasn't real. I did that, I you know. I walked the aisle, but, but my heart wasn't there. Maybe that's, Maybe that's your situation. But I tell you what, he offers you everlasting life. And if you'll ask him, he will come and make his home in your heart. So again, while everyone heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here today, you've never done that, but you say, Pastor, I have an interest in your prayer. Would you please pray for me? Can I see your hand if I look across this crowd? All right, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else that'll join these, you've never never asked him. Praise God. We'll Just wait a moment here. Those of you that are watching online, you may be watching, jumped into this um, uh, stream, live stream, and you've never asked Christ to be the Lord of your life. You can pray this prayer just like all the rest of us are going to pray in a moment. And if you'll let your heart agree with what you're praying, I tell you what, God will show up in your living room or wherever it is that you are and make you a new creation in Christ. So while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, there's no one looking around, but maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. You never, you know, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, you kind of wanted to, and you've been kind of bouncing around on the deal or whatever. I, you know, I don't know. But if you're here today, we want to pray with you, and we won't embarrass you. We'll, we'll, we'll pray with you after the service here, you know, and things, so you don't have to uh, show up in front of everybody. But um, if you're here, you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, Hallelujah. And you'd say, by your uplifted hand, Pastor, I have an interest in your prayer. I want to be filled with the Spirit. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look across the crowd here this morning? Okay, there's those, yes. Anybody else? want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't, don't, don't be fixing your hair because I'll, I'll take that as a, I want to get filled. You know, I'm looking for hands here. <laughs> Anybody else? Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Anyone? Okay, praise God. All right, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, church. All of us, we're going to pray for those that raise their hands. Hallelujah. We're going to believe together. Thank you, Lord, for them to come into the kingdom of God. Say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today without any reservation. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I make you my Savior and I thank you for receiving me just as I am. And I ask you, Lord, to fill me with the Holy Ghost so that I can have the power that heaven has to afford. And I thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You can all look up here. Now, a little bit later.